This week on the Audio Podcast, episode 74, Breaking the Sound Barrier, we have a summary of news from Twitter from Tuesday. We look at a whole load of special offers, there's discounts on loads of things, and there's plunder as always. There's no Adam Yanch, but Scott and Sam are here on this week's Audio Podcast. Uh, episode 74, Breaking the Sound Barrier of the Audio Podcast. Um, I'm Scott here this week. I'm only joined by... Samuel Freeman, hello. Hello. Adam hello. Adam of the Yanch has moved house and is uh, without internet, as he will be for probably a month or whatever it is until they reconnect the house that they probably just disconnected, which is always a nice moment, isn't it? In the, in the field of that. But... It is, it is. Adam is not here, but nonetheless, we can continue on with the audio podcast. Shall we get straight into the news of what could be a brief show? If there's ever going to be a brief audio podcast, this would be the one that could be brief. Let's see if it is. Let's see. We've said it'll be brief lots of times before, and then it's not been, but let's go for it. So, IK Multimedia have 33% off their um, slash pedals for Amplitude um, on the iPhone and iPad. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, this you is get the Slash Boost, Delay, Gate, Octoblue, Wild Distortion, and Next Chorus, and the offers the thirty three percent discount is good until October the twenty fifth. Cool, cool, and you can you can find the link to the place with more details about it at the audiopodcast.co.uk. Cool. That makes it one euro fifty nine for these things, or one ninety nine dollars, which is seems pretty cheap for a thing, but yeah. Let's not speculate on whether or not you need to have the some kind of way of getting your guitar in there as well, which is a hardware. Anyway. 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 Talking so, about hardware, an exciting new world uh, is coming upon us slowly here of uh, 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Create Digital Music have a, a great article considering the future of uh, 3D printing for instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's a lot of this going on. I um, this is un- unreal. I don't think it was mentioned here, but I saw today on my Google Plus feed that you can now get um, st- steel 3D printers printing 3D metal things for even more fine detail and stuff. It's kind of a tangent to what you're talking about, but 3D printing is cool and available. That's that's very cool. A bit of me, we're in a real rush this tonight, guys. I'm sorry. But um, a bit of me wanted to relate back to the fact that there is actually now a conversation about the reintroduction of DRM systems into 3D printing systems due to the fact that, obviously, we'll be able to 3D print anything pretty soon. So why would you not 3D print something, you know? And they're starting to talk about how they can maybe restrict the, the, you know, 3D printing, like, as a return to the DRM systems. I'm trying to think where I... Was it Gizmodo or Wired or something like that? I read that from, I think, but I'm... You know, I, I just wanted to mention that because while the future is rosy, the future is 3D printing. Um, it strikes me that there is maybe a kind of a negative, you know, this kind of resistive force to this kind of technological changes as always, and it's time to maybe just be ready to, you know, just to start thinking about it. You know, do we want to defend these these kind of privileges or not? Um, let's go. Cool. Hey, on another unrelated item, I guess, but Core Doctor Roy has a new story out, has a new novel out, young, young children's novel out, in which he is kind of touring at the moment, and it actually talks about um, the consequences of kind of be, being kicked off the internet for piracy and how that affects people, so I'm just making a mm-hmm. random 
I just had a brain jump there. It's just like that's the whole collection definitely thing not in the show notes. <laughs> no, no, no. No, the show notes are at theaudiopodcast.co.uk, um, and this is sorry, the slash show slash seventy four. Wow, show seventy four. And um, what's next in the news? We've got three D printing there. People can read about it. I think. Yeah, it's definitely some cool stuff there. Good examples, but more discounts. More Slate. discounts. Slate are offering a twenty percent discount on products for the month of October. There you go. The the thing I love the most about this is the way that the only actual quantifiable information I could find about it was this um, was a kind of image from Flickr, and I've got my suspicions it's gone. No, well the image might have gone, but the I found because you also linked to Pro Tool, I've, I've lost it in my tag. Pro Tooler blog, yeah. Yeah, and there was a comment on there from somebody which might be why it was gone. Uh... Sorry, I'm having an absolute. Losing. No, the the, the the pick is there. So twenty percent off Slate Digital, Slate Digital in October, and I, I found this Flickr pick, which had the, uh, you know, it's not Flickr, it's Twitter. A pick attached to a Twitter post, which has the details of it. So I linked to that because I couldn't actually find a kind of clean. This is the promotion we're running page, actually, on their site themselves. So I did manage to get it confirmed that the offer was running, but that was all I really got confirmed. So. Yeah. yeah, you you link so on Pro Tools, they've got the sound advice that unless you're short on cash to stay away, if unless you anyway whatever um, a reply to the post on Pro Tools blog presumably from someone at Slate says that there was a mistake when they put on Facebook that all their products twenty percent off because that's not true but they've listed what is so um, the VCC that's the virtual chat, virtual console. Collection, and um, that's now one nine nine dollars instead of two four nine, etc. Same for the virtual tape machine and the mastering effects and some other stuff with other prices. So there is a list posted as a comment on the Brutal Blog entry that you link to. Shall we move on? Yes, Sam. Where should we move on to next? I don't know because all my tabs have all gone into the wrong order, so I have to go back to the show notes, which tells me that the next thing is Tuesday on Twitter at the Audio Podcast. So I, I have to credit yourself, I think, Sam, for uh, for, for beginning this because many moons ago, does it? I'd, I'd I'd even link to it. Many moons ago, you decided to spend Tuesday a portion of the Tuesday logged in on the audio podcast Twitter account, and I thought, hey, it'd be interesting to do that because we we kind of pay attention to it in a in a oh, has anybody checked it recently kind of way. So it's good for us to look at it every now and again. So I I did that, and I thought I would just post the highlights of you know my time logged in as the audio podcast. So, hence I did. A couple of bits. Um, a, a minor release by Steinberg of CMC for Windows users. There you go. An, an update of Live Professor, which is a is, is designed for live use. It allows you to build kind of um, mix boards and kind of mix boards with pre, uh, preset settings out of soft, out of soft, uh, soft effects. Which I didn't and know about, but so that was cool. It says here on the KPR page that the limits on the free version have been raised a bit along with this update. So. That's very cool. <laughs> but let's skip a Tuesday on Twitter item just for one second here and go to the expensive guitar sale. So uh, it, it always amazes me that things like this can ever be worth this much money, but nonetheless, apparently somebody out there has... They expect somebody would pay a lot of money for a 1959 left-handed Les Paul Burst. One of only two, no one... Yeah, no. 
$125,000. Imagine, yeah, just it's just crazy, isn't it? I'm saying, what would you, I, I don't know what, yeah. You could probably get one made for that price and have it like new and exactly as you wanted and have it sound as you want it to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I think people who spend that much money on those kind of things aren't actually buying, you know I mean? They're, they don't tend to buy them to play them, do they? They tend to buy them to do something else, maybe. I think I I I I wonder. I wonder. Um, yeah. Hey, what else? Was are we, are we... The 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 creative blue. Uh, at, at um at creative underscore blue had had a, a little kind of link across to some uh, fader writing as a creative mixing technique, which I, I thought was you know w worth mentioning. <laughs> so so Henry did. It's actually quite an interesting. Um, Quite, quite, quite an interesting read. Um, I've, I've not read it, but is it talking about actually having your hands on and kind of doing mixes real time as a like fader writer? That's what it says to me. And, um, yeah, yeah. That's that. That that's exactly it. They're talking about you know actually writing the writing the controller for the final mix down rather than having it all kind of automated and hard kind of set the the whole way through and and. I, I guess I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the kind of research interests of Dominique Fabot here, actually, moment, momentarily, where he talks about uh, playing the studio as an instrument and this idea of performing the final mix and responding to r responding to what you're hearing and allowing that to inform your kind of your kind of performative gesture in the as a studio production technique, which I, I think is an interest an interesting it's an interesting topic to consider. So I thought that was that that was kind of nice, yeah. Definitely, I mean. I've probably mentioned like, a while ago I was doing some um, four-track tape recording and the only way to do mix downs with that kind of stuff is, you know, it's all analog, so there's no... If you, when you're mixing down onto a stereo digital thing as I was, hands-on, pushing pushing faders and twiddling the things with little sketchy notes about what's going to happen next and just running through the track lots of times and practicing it as a piece and making a performance out of it. There's a lot to be said for that in terms of just having fun. Definitely so. Definitely so. Um, the final one I got there is uh, SoundCloud have set up a license opportunity with Getty, where you can uh, license your original sounds through uh, Getty Images. Which, which I think um, I got that Tuesday was the day it was released. That was when they announced it. They did the announcement. There was a lot of positive hype about it, but a lot of that positive hype has kind of gone a little bit negative because the actual terms of the contract are possibly are are not as you know are are not as great as they well are not as great as perhaps people in the sound and the kind of audio domain are maybe used to working under. I, I do a little bit of photography work, and it's very, very similar to the kind of stock photography kind of game, which this kind of reflects back to, um, which, is, which is fair enough, which, which is essentially along the idea of you produce something of incredibly high quality, and then it gets used over and over for decades to come, and it's that constant, that constant reuse over time is the thing that actually generates... That, that generates the revenue rather than it being a do something and get paid for it kind of feel, which is, you know, which is the other way of doing that. So I thought that was in, you know, it's an opportunity if you're involved in SoundCloud. Essentially, I think there's a couple of forms to fill in, and you can essentially kind of switch on to using the system very, very quickly. So, but, um, and even, you know, people might say, oh, they're taking X percent. That seems like too much, blah blah, but. That's they're taking that as a percentage of money that you probably wouldn't otherwise be getting for licensing your money, your your musics. So, 
It really depends how you look at it. And it is... They, they are looking for sound and music as well, so... There is, a, there is a big kind of channel out there for, you know, kind of stock music and stuff like that. I'm saying elevators, hold music, we hear, you know, we hear all that kind of stuff all the time, don't we? And yep, advertising music. Yep. It's interesting to compare this against, say, the kind of CC hits. Um, when we talked to John the Nice Guy Spriggs and we, we chatted with him about the CC hits strategy of him, him wanting to find sources of commercial commercial music for people where they didn't have to pay for it because it would be Creative Commons license with commercial use allowed and it's interesting just to you know look at how this is two different ways of resolving a problem of how do you get commercial music which you can legally license and use commercially knowing you're not going to be you know hunted down by the kind of overly enthusiastic record labels at various points so you know I was reminded of Jamendo which is a site that has music under Creative Commons licensing, but there's always a there's always a link there saying if you want to license this music for commercial use, because it's usually a non-commercial license that you can download it for free under, but there's always the option to, to click through if you wanted to license it for other purposes. But this is just a purely other purposes thing, so people who are wanting music to, wanting to spend money on music to using their things are gonna, not going to go crawling around SoundCloud, but they might well go somewhere like Getty. No, that's that, that. That's exactly it. And I guess what a lot of people don't realize is that Getty will handle Getty are handling the kind of not not so much the distribution, but the kind of legalities and the legalese of all of those kind of things as well. Because if you were, you know, if, if you were to get a lawyer to write you a contract every time you needed to put you needed to put one of these things together, I suspect you'd probably feel that the percentage they're taking is actually a very reasonable number in relation to how much it would cost to get a lawyer to write you a you know, to write you a contract once and then have to repeat that over and over. So it is, um, yeah, you know, it, it's an opportunity. I'm saying our, our, our listeners, you can go, can go check it out and see, see what you think you can. Um, it's, well, you can have a look at SoundCloud to find out more information about it, or you can get to the link from our website that showed up oh, at the audio podcast.co.uk and you can go from there. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Now, and so that, that was Tuesday last week, which was the day after Monday when we recorded it. So that's taken us to the end of the week in terms of going back in time for the news. Yeah, that's very true. Now, Sam, I'm going to pull you on the on the spot here because at the end of last week, we discussed an idea. And then... Yes. Do you remember? You remember? I do, but I didn't act on it. It's just the circles thing. Yeah, that, that's right, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll introduce you while Sam composes himself for the matter, as they say. Oh, no, I can, I can introduce it. I'm okay. I, I did think about this beforehand. Go for um, it. So I'll enjoy a mince pie. It's, it's, it's fun when there's three or more of us, and we'd like to be able to open the door to anyone to come into the Hangout and and join in with the show and like comment on the news and stories. The show notes are online, so everybody can know what's coming up next and such the like. But just having a completely open door is a bit problematic at times, people kind of drop in and kind of play guitar at us and are just kind of a bit intrusive perhaps? I don't know, people what we would like to have is a circle within Google Plus where we can say these people are kind of pass some kind of sanity test perhaps or like people who have contacted us or we spoke to before and we can open it up to all those people and if they happen to be online at the time they can come in so a kind of 
a trusted circle. You see, this is where I start to fall apart a bit, and I'm not composed because I haven't given this any thought beyond the seed of the idea. I don't know what we would call it, but yeah, if you are already following us on Google Plus or whatever, then maybe I don't know. How are we going to do this, Scott? How are we going to make the list of people? I guess we could just start by adding the people that have already been on the show, people that we know personally. But yeah, you you could write on our wall, or is it called a wall? I presume it's called a wall. You could write on a wall. Send us an email. Send us a, send us something at on Twitter, and we can um, we're starting to move you between between those groups because the audio podcast page on Google Plus is a audio is a kind of is a is a business page. It's like a a, pay, a product page sort of thing. So we can't actually add people to circles until they've added us to a circle so you need to add us to a circle and then once you once you've added us to a circle we can add you so by default we add everybody into our listener circle we presume anybody who's added us is listening to us unless you're a spam and then from there we can also you know if you let us know we can kind of elevate you into our kind of you know you know a kind of welcome well welcome onto the show kind of thing so you know, we're, we're going to do it. It's going to be alongside our kind of regular the guests that we have, and we still have our kind of regular guest presenters. But it's just to give people the opportunity because every now and again we get a, contacted by somebody who's like, "Oh, how could I get on to the show? How could I get on? Or how could I talk about this?" And really, you know, we're we're expressing our opinions, so it's cool to have. We're happy to have other people's opinions as well. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be kind of overwhelming everything from the top with our, with our ideas on that. So you should feel free to uh, contact us if you'd like to join in with that. Or um, I guess yeah. I guess an easy way to do this might be if we if we post on our Google Plus account as the audio podcast, then people who already have that in a circle can comment to that, reply to it or something, or plus one it or something, some kind of indication through that that will let us know that they would like to be in that particular circle. Hmm... It would work, but I'm just worried that not everybody would want everybody else to know who they are. Because you can see who's commented on a on a post and who's plus one on a post. So, so you could do that. Let's do that. But in addition, if you prefer, just send an email through to, you know, just contact us in any way whatsoever and just say I want to be on, I want to be in the circle. And if you communicate with us with the ability to find you, we'll do it. And if not, I'll reply back along the lines of. Uh, you know, if you contact me on Twitter, I'm quite likely to reply back saying, "Who are you on Google Plus?" So please don't be offended by that. Just awkward. Or just include that information. Yeah. Yes. Or just include that information. There we go. So I guess that would have been Sam. I, I will uh, request of you to add that as a other item and whack it in the show notes for this week. Hey, secret other section. I like it. The infamous other section returns. And and having done that, with the idea of this being a quick show, unintentionally so, but nonetheless a quick one. Let's uh, head into the plunder. Arg. So, iLock. iLock is the little USB dongly thing that can store all your licenses for your products, but is kind of means that you've got this physical object that could break and then all your licenses would go with it. Oh no! What can we do about it, Scott? Uh, Rocklocker have a uh, have a, a reinforced plastic box for it to sit in. <laughs> which will also protect it from coffee and tea tidal waves. That is from the blurb, blurb text, but it's it's an image text rather than text text, so I can copy and paste it. So I wasn't going to um, I wasn't going to type it out. But anyway, it's it's there. It, it's a little box that basically you can put your iLock in, and then rather than your iLock being that kind of USB key, precarious bit of plastic and metal, instead it can be this kind of chunky box that you can plug into, plug into instead. Um, which is, you know, it's what it is, I guess. 
I don't like I, I don't like the I don't like the whole eye lock scheme. I I don't like all of these things. I'm like, what happens if you lose your eye lock or your eye lock breaks or something like that? It's just too much. You know what I mean? For me, I just don't like it. I don't like any. I don't like any of these things, and I actually deliberately avoid working with products which I would have to authenticate using an iLock because I just don't want the the risk of it breaking. Are, are you an iLock user? Um, I'm not. I'm not. I go for soft licensing things when that's the option. Um, I also don't buy that much stuff. I get buy on free software a lot. <laughs> but I mean. I, the sentiment there is kind of like arguable is that your car works on a kind of physical lock device that if you could lose or break. Yeah. It's a cat. That's, yeah, you have a cat. That's far more interesting. <laughs> this is uh, Leonard, my cat. Hello, Leonard, my cat. I have, I have another cat. I have Sheldon as well from, a, from some, some sort of a TV show that we couldn't possibly mention. Oh, we could. Well, it's obviously what it is. It's obviously what it is. It's a great TV show. Anyway, though, Sam, you were saying you don't have an iLock like me. Um, yeah, there we go. Maybe. <laughs> it, it does. It does amaze me. I, I've been talking. I've been thinking about resilience for kind of uh, live performance and touring rigs. It's been something I've been thinking about for a while, and it strikes me that the iLock is a real massive risk in terms of touring any sort of thing. It's like you have it. It can break really easy. You could drop it, just forget it, something like that. Even even if you've done that, you've then got it in use. You have to leave it plugged in, otherwise it doesn't work. So then you've got this thing which is worth an awful lot of money just as a USB dongle hanging, you know, plugged into the back of your computer or hanging off the side of your computer. So it's like, do you leave it behind? You know what I mean? Like, I've sound checked. I'm ready to go. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away and have tea or something like that. Do, you know... In many situations, I feel like I can leave my laptop behind. If somebody's watching the stage or something like that, you feel like you can leave your laptop behind. It's a big, obvious thing. It's going to be plugged in with lots of cables. You can even put like kind of like a kind of leash lock onto that. But the iLock is just this kind of you know USB key, which is a complete cinch of a walk up, pick it up, stick it in your pocket, wander off, and that's it gone. And it's you know. So, I I think the sales pitch they have for this is right because if you're touring, if you're using an iLock as part of your day to day work, be that live work, be that production work, be that studio work. If somebody nicks it, then you're stuffed. And if it breaks for whatever reason, you're also stuffed. And it, it was interesting in terms of you could imagine a situation where you have a problem with the computer, so you go out and buy another one that day. and come. You know, you could just go out in the morning, buy a new computer, bring it back, install, ready to go. You probably lose half a day. But if you're based on an iLock system, you're going to have to wait. You know, There isn't a way to quickly turn around. You're going to be you're going to be out, you're going to at least stop work for the day, if not for two, for a couple of days. And you know, from a commercial point of view, that could be disastrous. So, yeah. So you could put it in a a, a rock locker thing instead, if you wanted to. It does look, you know, it's kind of yeah, you know, yeah, you know. I came across a um a case a case for Raspberry Pi this week, which this reminded me of in a kind of similar sort of thing. It does have that feel, actually, doesn't it? It's a, uh, yeah. I, anyway. you know, I like it. I, I think this is, you know, because I always, I'm, I'm just going to carry on just for a moment here, but I always used to think that the iLock was a ridiculous kind of physical design with the bit kind of sticking out. Like, it kind of looks like a padlock, which I guess was maybe they were like, oh, it looks like a padlock. That's cool. Instead, you just got this extra bit of plastic ready to snap off. But um, 
you know... Well, the bit sticking off means you could thread it through something, you know, you talk about you could have your little security lock onto your laptop, you could have that tethered onto that somehow, you could have it chained through that little hook. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention it because I thought we were trying to be quick, but that is the case. Well, I kind of, I kind of understand what you, what you're saying there, but I, I, I have my suspicions that you can snap that plastic bit off pretty quick. You know that little, you know, what I mean that little kind of snap, that little kind of ring. The, yeah, the plastic. If you have an eye lock, I'm sure you're very happy with it. If you don't have an eye lock, you're probably of the opinion that we are. So if you have an eye lock, I, I personally think that this is a great. A great idea for anybody who does actually have an eye lock. This, you know, maybe you have your own version of a box for it to sit in. That's fine. It should be noted that the box actually has the you can actually plug it in using a USB extension. So, you know, I mean, it is kind of you don't have to take it out of its box. You can leave it in its box and USB extension in, USB extension out. That'd be kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. We should go on to the next one. What's the next item? We should. The next one is the last one, and this is um. This is Calrec. Now I think you've missed. I think that what you posted isn't quite right okay. um, in the show notes because you you said that this thing is, was lost, was like discovered but lost and then found. But I think it's still. They only posted this today, and I think you misunderstood. So Calrec, they are based in Hebden Bridge, in fact, and they make broadcast desks and stuff like that, and yep. really kind of high-end fixing stuff. Someone spotted in a TV advert a what what was it was it? a Q series console doing its thing in 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 the shop in kind of this advert which is supposedly based in a in a radio station or something yeah. but they don't know where it is they said well where is that console and they're interested to know so whoever can tell them first where where that mixing console is then they win some stuff like a bottle of beer and a USB stick. But but if you look underneath the underneath the YouTube video of the of the advert, you'll actually see that it has actually been found. No no because if you look up, if you look up and to the right if you look up and to the right there's a picture of the console because in the video you only see the top of it and they've posted a photograph of the whole console and that whole console is in Sonica Studios in Clapham. Oh. That's what it says underneath, but the one that they're talking about is still is still unidentified. The one in the, the one in the video, they don't know where it is. The one in the photo is in London. Well, in which case I will. Uh, in, in which case, right now I will edit the notes to illustrate that with a strike through of the incorrect element that I wrote there, and I can only apologise to any audio podcast listeners who were planning on hunting that down and. Had uh, had stopped because of my incorrect, uh, incorrect, um, you know, posting on this matter. So yeah, so, I, I hope they find it. This is like a cool little thing. Like some somebody involved in somebody must know somebody who worked on that video, and that's how you, that that would be the way to find out who worked well, on that definitely, definitely. They, I, I, they, they will they will find it out. They will find it. I have full confidence in their ability to find it, which which is cool. I think there's a. Yeah, so that's that. That's yeah, that's nice. I I was kind of interested what a breakfast biscuit is, but I I don't want to know actually. I'm more interested in the fact that the so the beer, the bottle of beer you come in is an Armatist Light Ale, and um, they they had a local brewery brew a light ale um, with the name of one of their 
um, console ranges. Ah, I think yeah, last year, the Armatist range, they kind of made a, a smaller, lighter version called Armatist Light, and to celebrate this, they, they got some beer brewed called Armatist Light. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. <laughs> we, keep saying, we, we keep meaning to contact Carrick, actually, because obviously we have proximity to them. Well, we did. Obviously, you don't now that you're in the deep south sound, but... Um, well, yeah. But, but, oh, oh. Well, there we go. There we go. So I think that was actually a fairly quick show. We'll find out how fast, how long it was in a few moments when we're finished. But it's sub thirty. It's about thirty minutes, if not less. That's pretty exciting. Woo. It, it's not that we plan to make the show sub thirty minutes. It's just that I knew this was. It wasn't. Actually, I think it was a slow news week, to be honest, because. I can normally normally I find the news items very quickly and have to pick and choose. Whereas this week it was I cleared through most of my normal sources and was, you know, what I mean, was like, oh, well, that's about enough. That's not quite enough, but you know, such as it is, such as it is. Anyway, so this was episode seventy-four of the audio podcast. Um, breaking the sound barrier was the uh, the show title I said actually. That's very topical. We haven't mentioned why, but I'm sure people can figure that out for themselves. People can figure that out for sure. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, um, I've been Scott here. I'm Samuel Freeman. Goodbye.